friends, my name is May. Welcome to Lifehouse Online. We're so glad that you're joining us today for our Christmas series called Joyful and Triumphant. So get your jollies on and let's get ready for a great service. That was so good. Thank you, team, for that great video around Lifehouse College. And also thank you, Shannon, for the great... Um, yeah, that great offering, sharing our heart around how the generosity of people affected by Christ's love affected her at a time when she needed it. So um, let's prepare for the word now. Father, we just thank you for this morning, everything that's happened so far. We know you've been working in our lives, but we ask you now to speak to us. We ask you to impact us, to grow us, to... Lift our eyes to your greatness. In Jesus' name, amen. So today is part two of our Christmas series. And our Christmas series is called Joyful and Triumphant. I just had a quick look because I forgot for a second. But last week, Josh spoke uh, on, on Christmas. It was a great message. If you missed it, I encourage you check it out on the live stream on YouTube. And, um, and have a good look at it because there's a good, solid message about uh, well, the gospel. It's just the, the truth of Christmas went through all of the, the core stuff about it. And, and this series is, is we're kind of like having a little bit of a poke at the Christmas carols. And so what was the carol you did again? It kind of based it on joyful and triumphant. Hark the herald angels sing. And today I'm going to be looking at O Holy Night. So we sung it. It's Holly's favourite carol. And it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful song. So it starts off with this. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. This is the night of our dear Saviour's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, I hear the angel voices. O night divine, O night when Christ was born, O night, O holy night. Um, and so as, as we look at these lyrics, I'm assuming that the author had a picture of that night in his mind that holy night, that divine night. And you can imagine it as, he's, as, as you hear those words and the angel appears in the sky. You know the story. It's like there, probably bright, uh, shining, and it proclaims, this is the night. This is a great night. This is going to change everything. Guys, you've got to check it out. You've got to go into Bethlehem and there you're going to find baby Jesus. He's going to be there, born in a manger. This is how you know that uh, this is, is goodwill to all men. You know the story. And then the sky erupts with, you know, thousands of angels. And they're like, wow. They go to the, the manger and they see it. There's a cow over that side and a, and a donkey there. And, and Jesus is there in the manger. It's the holy, it's the holy night. So was it holy? Was this night holy, really? It's a, it's a difficult question. 
because it's called O Holy Night, but it doesn't actually say in the Bible that this night was holy. But it, it seems like it probably was. So what does holy mean? Well, in the Bible, the word holy is, is kind of used in two ways. It's used to describe the things that are meant for God's purpose. So if there was something that God ordained for his, set aside for his purpose, it was called holy. And so that kind of was reflective of its purpose. But holy doesn't really mean that. Like it does, that God uses for himself. This word holy is, in the Bible, God uses it to describe him more than anything else. So we know in the Bible that God describes him as provider. And we heard Shannon talk about that before, that God provided through the church for her. We know that there's verses that, that say things like if God provides for the birds of the air and, and he, he dresses the flowers in their beautiful colours, how much will he provide for you? We know that Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will provide. We know in Corinthians, Paul describes God as love. But do you know that more than anything else, the Bible describes God as holy? Way more times. Holy. And not just about the amount of times that he calls himself holy, but how he does it. Let's have a look here in, um, in Isaiah. It's, a, it's quite a significant verse. It's Isaiah 6. It says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Quite an amazing scene. So you can imagine if this church was the temple, uh, the, the God, Father God himself is sitting on the, on the throne and the, his clothing is so voluptuous that it just fills the whole place. It's weird, right? So it's like it's a sign of his glory. It's everywhere. Like it just, I don't know how, it wrapped around. Um, what's the next thing? It says, above him were seraphim. Now that's angels. Each with six wings. Two wings covered their faces. And two covered their feet. And the other two, they were flying. So you can imagine them there. You know, they've got these six wings. I don't know quite how it worked. They're coming down like that, covering their feet, covering their eyes, and they're just hovering there. This is what's important, though. They were calling to one another. This is what they were saying. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. So it's not like this little voice where they're just saying, you know, they're not these little cute cherubs with their bare bottoms and the little bow and arrow that were floating around the sky. Like these things are scary, right? They're scary kind of dudes. 
and it, their voices are so loud that it's shaking the whole place. Like, who here do you reckon has the loudest voice? Eric. <laughs> Eric, everyone's saying you've got the loudest voice. <laughs> you have a beautiful voice. I love hearing your singing from the front door. It's like this baritone. If any of you don't know, you have to sit over here one day. But, but like, seriously, Eric's got, like, these guys have got, Eric's got nothing on these guys. That's right. I was like, how do I say that? What I'm trying to say is, like, Eric's voice sounds like a little mouse compared to these guys. Like, I don't think Eric's voice can shake the foundation of the church. But as these angels, they're powerful. They're like warlike creatures. And their voices are shaking the whole temple. And what are they saying? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What's Isaiah's response to this? He says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth and said, And your sin is atoned for. So what we notice in this scene is that there is something about seeing God. There's something about his holiness that caused Isaiah and everyone else described in the Bible who is becomes aware of God's holiness. It shakes them to the core and they think they're going to die. That's how intense it is. Now, I've been scared in my life a few times. I've thought I was going to die a few times. But not just when I looked at someone. <laughs> I've seen some beautiful people out there, you know. I've, I've been walking around, mind my own business, and you see someone and they look like a model and they've got the little the che the chest going on with the six-pack and the muscles. And I think, Wow. Like, that's a, that's a beautiful guy. <laughs> but I never felt like I was going to die. Right. But there's something about God who is so majestic, so amazing, that just catching a glimpse of him, of his holiness, makes you so aware of your brokenness and your uncleanness that, you want to die or you think you're going to die, you're about to die. And there was nothing he could do. And it was only through the ministry of the angel in that context that causes him to be able to stand there as the angel purifies him with the coal. So that's the scene. There's something else I want to draw your attention to. The, the angels, as they say, holy, 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 there's something significant about that. And that is the way the Hebrew language works. So in, uh, in English, we say very holy. Or if, if I was, say, for instance, to describe something about myself, I would say I'm very good at growing a beard. Like I'm not, I'm not real, I'm very average at everything, I'm about the average height, five foot ten, 
I'm kind of average weight. Even my hair color is very average. It's not black. It's not blonde. It's just normal. But I think I am above average at growing a beard. <laughs> so in Hebrew, they'd probably call me like beard beard. <laughs> so it's like that. It's like the instead of going like great beard, they just say the same word again. You know, like if you were strong, and that was an attribute that people described you by, they'd say strong, strong, not very strong. So when, when the kids were little, we played this game, and um, I remember they'd, go, they'd be going to sleep at night, and I'd, I'd be saying, you know, good night, Zoe, or good night, Drew. Oh, I love you very much. And they would be like, oh, Dad, but I love you very, very, very much. You know, oh, but I love you very, 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 very much. Oh, but I love you very, 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 very. You know that thing, right? It's like very, 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 very. You know, as they got older and did maths and stuff, they'd be like, I love you times 100. I love you one times 1,000, you know. And, and eventually they learned you could actually say, I love you times infinity. And that's like game over. It's just like recurring. It's just like it just continues on. It's like saying very, 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 like forever. And this is the context of what, what Isaiah is saying this means. When God says he is holy, when the angels are proclaiming he is holy, 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 holy is like two. And that's like a real lot. But three, unheard of in the Bible. Unheard of something being described three times, except holiness. Even love. He doesn't say he's love, love. He doesn't say he's love, love, love. But he says he's holy, holy, holy. And even more so, the context of the way that this is described suggests that the angels are saying he is holy, 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 continually, forever. So it's like even times in holy, 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 times infinity. That's how holy God is. And when Isaiah is confronted with that, he is undone. He's completely undone. So I started thinking about, well, how do I, how do I describe that? How do I understand that? I started to contextualize it. And I'm like, okay, well, how can I compare it to something I know? Okay, well... If we're, th- we're thinking of holiness being, it's, it's, what it means is it means transcendent. It means unlike anything else. It means pure. It means glorious. It means untainted. Undescribable is what holy means. So how can we describe that? So I started thinking, well, how can I contextualize this if holiness is kind of like power which it is powerful it's so powerful that it's shaking the temple I'm like what can I control okay so if I am kind of kind of powerful what's the most powerful thing in this world that I could compare it to and I thought okay well what about an elephant do you think the elephant is the most powerful animal? It may be land animal. Maybe a, maybe a whale might be more 
powerful in a sense. But anyway, let's just go with the elephant, okay? Because that's what I've prepared. <laughs> so I weigh... <laughs> 80 kilos, all right? I, actually, I'm a little bit more than that. So I weigh about 85 kilos. I weigh about 90 kilos. <laughs> and... Um, an elephant weighs 6,000 kilos. 6,000 kilos. And so I'm kind of powerful. I can probably lift like 200 kilos, 150, 120. I can probably lift 120 kilos off the ground, right? But do you know that an elephant can carry 1,500 kilos on its back? That's like 13 people or something. It's like 1,500 kilos. So that's pretty powerful. So like if we were saying like my holiness quotient compared to like the difference between me and an elephant, maybe God is like, I think it's much more than that. I think my power compared to the power of an elephant compared to my holiness and God's holiness, is, I don't think it's, I think it's more than that. So I thought... How can I get my head around it more? What about a volcano? Like a volcano is probably the most powerful thing on the planet, right? So I can probably throw a rock up in, straight up in the air, maybe 20 meters, maybe 50. Depends how big the rock is, I guess. A big rock, I could probably only just get it like that high. But if I got, you know, a good rock and just kind of threw it straight up, how far can you throw a cricket ball? Straight up. What do you reckon? 30 metres? How far is the boundary? How far can a good cricket throw throw up? <laughs> 30 metres. Probably 30 metres, right? All right, let's see what a volcano can throw a rock up. The latest volcano in Tonga threw rocks 57 kilometres straight up. 57 kilometers. And the lava is so hot that if you, you can't really get closer than about 10 meters unless you've got special even clothing. It's like a thousand degrees. It's so hot that you can't even get that close to it. Otherwise, it will burn your body and cook your hands or eyeballs in their sockets or something. Sorry, kids. Like it's hot and it's powerful. That's like as far as here to Adelaide, just poof. So I think we're getting closer to the difference in holiness between me and God, maybe between my strength and power compared to a volcano. But then I thought, it's, it's got to be more than that, right? Because, because there's way more powerful things. So I thought, what about the solar system? So the sun is the most powerful thing in our solar system. Everything, its weight and gravity causes everything to circle around it. And the, the sun is like lava is 1,000 degrees. The sun is 5,000 degrees on the surface and 15 million degrees at its core. 15 million degrees of heat. This is centigrade. Not the weirdo Fahrenheit stuff. 
And I think we're getting closer to understanding God's holiness. That we can't even, we can't even look at the sun. This is the scene, this is the kind of feeling I get as Isaiah describes God, that he can't even look at him without being turned to ash. He's so pure. He's so holy. He's indescribable. In Exodus 33, Moses says, Can I, I'm going to put you down in this cleft of a rock and cover you, and I'll just pass by. Because any more than that, you couldn't cope. Can you, can you see it? Can you taste it? Like how big God is. How pure he is. How holy he is. Holy times infinity. And next to him we are nothing. Would I be able to grab Timothy up here with little Brooklyn for an example? Is, is she around? She's getting a feed. Oh, here she is. Oh, she's arrived. Come up here, guys. So here's Brooklyn and Timothy. Let's give them a hand. <laughs> Timothy's my good friend. Hey, Brooklyn, how are you? You're amazing. How old's Brooklyn? Um, she's turning one. So she's almost one. And she's a precious gift. So I'm going to say some mean things about Brooklyn a little bit, but I don't mean it. So I'm not going to be mean. <laughs> so, Timothy, how strong is Brooklyn? Can she pick up? She can't pick up herself. Could she pick up one kilo? Maybe not. Maybe 500 grams, like a Coke bottle. She could probably pick up 500 grams. How much do you reckon you could lift? That's a lot stronger. That's amazing. Can, you, can Brooklyn walk? No, so she can't really even pick herself up. So as far as power goes, you're a lot more powerful. But let's just talk a little bit about your level of holiness. Like your level of selfishness, your, how good you are. Just... Don't, you don't have to stress too much. We're not going to delve into anything too serious. Everyone's like, oh, gee. <laughs> so as far as Brooklyn and the way she thinks, does she mostly think of herself and like eating and sleeping or does she provide for the family, go to work? <laughs> you know, does she do that kind of thing? When was the last time you gave money to dad? No. So she doesn't really do anything. Just, do you think she really cares about, like, do you think she thinks and considers, like, what the family are doing for her? Or do you think she just laps it up? She just laps it up. Timothy, when was the last time you just spent a day where you didn't think about the family or anything, you just maybe went, played golf, went on a holiday, and didn't think about anyone else? 
probably when I'm sleeping. <laughs> when you're sleeping. Like, it's, it's probably like years ago when you were 18 or something, right? That's right. All right. Thank you, Timothy. You can go down. I brought those guys up there because I, I, it was a bit of fun and she's just gorgeous and so is Timothy. <laughs> but you know how, as I was preparing this, it just struck me. We, we know nothing about God. Not really. Like Brooklyn, has, she's got no comprehension about how Timothy and Shannon think. She's one and and Timothy's 30-something, 29. She can't even imagine how he thinks and the processes he goes through and what he does to work, provide for the family, the sacrifices he gives up, everything. She has got no understanding And they're both humans. How much more little understand goes through of the way he thinks, of the processes he goes through, of the way he thinks, of the way he puts things together, of, of what he does and how he spends his time. We understand nothing. We think we love, we think we're holy, we think we know things and we know nothing. We know nothing compared to God. Our goodness and our purity and our holiness is like, it's less, how can you describe it? It's like comparing us to the surface of the sun. And this is what that song, O Holy Night, embodies. It, it, it attempts to proclaim that if we were going to be reconciled with a guy that we can't even look at, we'd need serious help. We'd need serious help. We'd need someone with a ministry of reconciliation and his name is Jesus Christ. We needed Jesus because God is holy. He is not just holy. He's holy, holy, holy. He's surface of the, surface of the sun holy. So we needed God because we needed Jesus because God is holy. But he sent him because he's love. We needed Jesus because he's holy, because God is holy. We needed a minister of reconciliation. We had no hope to come to God on our own. But he sent him because he's love. Love isn't even God's defining attribute, but it motivated him to reconcile us. Um the first Christmas I can remember, I was quite young, and and Mum always had these these uh, routines that she would go through for Christmas, and and we could help 
with most of them. She would always set up the Christmas tree. And I don't know who does that with their kids. And, and you know, you lift them up to put that, the angel or the star on the top. And you'd help them decorate and things like that. Uh, Mum would always do a Christmas pudding. And I don't know uh, why they did this. Maybe people can just explain it to me afterwards. But I remember she would get an old tea towel. She would make the pudding and then hang it up for like weeks. I'm a sh- I don't know why we didn't die from salmonella, but it doesn't seem very safe. But she would hang it up there on the, on the cupboard kind of door handle. Is that like we don't... That was in the 80s. I guess salmonella wasn't round then or something. <laughs> do people still do that? So you just kind of hang it there, not the fridge. I don't know. Why don't you put it in the fridge? You know, that sounds like a great idea. But anyway, they hang it there, let it get nice and stinky, and then you eat it. So, you know. So we're allowed to help with that. But then she bought this beautiful porcelain nativity scene and she hand painted it. And I think she probably thought, oh, this is going to be something great, you know, passed down to the generations, you know, great-grandkids can, can have a, a piece of this kind of handmade nativity scene. And there was the shepherds and the, the angels and, and everything was all there, you know. But we weren't allowed to touch it. It got put on the, on the mantelpiece. It was quite delicate. But I can remember this one Christmas, probably one of the first Christmases I can remember. And um, me and my brother and sister are playing in the lounge room. I was a, quite a bit of a tease, um, which on its own would have been probably fairly okay. But my brother had like a hair trigger. It's, I don't know. Is it always the youngest? They're kind of psycho. And so I would just do weird stuff like, you know, stick my finger in his ear or pull his hair or something. And it would be like, like an atom bomb going off. I can remember a lot of times me looking to my sister like, we are going to die. Because he would be like, you know, like really psycho. Like, like if he had a knife, we'd be like, beep, 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 beep. Like, it's like, like we're going to die. Like, he's, Matthew's lost it. Matthew's lost it. Like, just do whatever you've got to do. You know, it's like crazy. Like, so he was like that. Who was like that when, as a kid? Yeah, it's like, I don't know what, I don't know what happens, but it's like this switch just, you know, it's, you know, it's like, whoa, look out, you know. So Matthew was like that. Anyway, I don't know what I did, but I did something to him, and he turns around, and I saw it in his eyes, we're in trouble. Like, I'm going to die. Anyway, I don't know why he did this, but he took his shoe, and he th- threw it so hard straight at my head. He's gone running at me. You know, like, I'm going to kill you. And I threw the shoe at me. So I straight at my head. It's like, I'm going to die. But something weird happened. It's like football. You sometimes see that. The guys in the, in the what do you call it? It's the goal square? The goal square in football. And the guy's right there and you think, how can he miss? He's right in front of the goals. <laughs> like, what? And it goes off the side of the boot and goes out on the full. Like, what? How does that happen? Well, it was like that. He's running at me. He's going to kill me. The shoe. But somehow it went, instead of straight towards me, no, 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 no. Straight towards the nativity scene. Must have hooked on his thumb or something. And it just kind of... 
straight there, zoom, zoom through the air, slow motion, hit the shepherd on the end, bush smashed. My mum came out, she was furious. And I did something really weird. I said, I did it. (laughs) Someone in the room over there thinks, I don't know what came over me because it wasn't what I was normally like. (laughs) I don't know why I did that. It was quite out of character. But I I said, Mum, I was throwing a ball in the house. I did it. I'm sorry. I think maybe I did that because I kind of deep down knew it was actually my fault. Maybe I did it because I thought I was going to get less in trouble for that than annoying my brother for the millionth time that day. I don't know. But I took the responsibility of something that wasn't really mine. I took that on. And what, I, what, what happened next, I can't honestly remember. So either she just, mum just broke down just with all the other things that had gone on that day leading up to Christmas and just walked out of the room. and, and Or maybe she gave me the beating of my life and the trauma means I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. So it's one of those two things. But anyway, the point is that I took it on. I took it on. And that is the point of this song, Oh Holy Night, is Jesus Christ took on the responsibility for something that he didn't break. So not only was it, was it like that angel who took the coal and purified Isaiah's lips to cause us to be able to stand and reconcile with God. It was, it was also like him taking the cost of our broken things. Him carrying that for us. And we needed a saviour because God was holy and we were not. And God sent Jesus because he's love. His love. About three weeks ago... I'll backtrack. Some of you will remember that I actually, um, I actually promised Holly, and I mentioned this in a sermon, that I was going to have a beautiful lawn for her by Christmas, twenty twenty one. Um. Yeah, so anyway, that hasn't quite happened. Uh, and there were things that happened in 2021 that kind of got in the way of that. Um, anyway, so at the start of this year, I made this I promise again. And I said, baby, by Christmas, you're going to have a lawn. And it's almost there. I was going to do it in the first holidays of the school term, um, but then you'll probably remember that. How many hours did we spend on those grinders, Josh? I was dreaming of sanding in my sleep. I'm sure Josh was too, up and down in that corridor. Thank you to Ian and uh, Rodney as well. That oh, How many hours did we spend up and down? So that was the first week of the school. 
school holidays of the year. The second one, I got COVID. Uh, the third one, we, I started seriously on the lawn. So I, I, got, a, I got a bobcat and I, and I, well, I started off with kind of like a rake and a, and a shovel and I, after half a day, I thought, nah, bobcat. So I got a bobcat, I flattened out and I thought, good, I'm ready for soil. Then I was talking to Ian and he said, it's not really ready, Mark, you need to uh, get loam. So I put some loam, I ordered 25 tonne of loam, started with Walter by hand and I thought, mm, after a couple of hours of that, bobcat. So we, so we levelled it out with the bobcat and, and it, was looking, it was looking pretty good. And I said to Jacob, Lene, hey, it's looking good. And he said, Mark, it's, not, you gotta, it's gotta be flattened and screeded. So I was like, okay. So I got, spent a few more hours on the rake, kind of getting it nice and, and flat. And then uh, I came back a few days later, but because of the sun and the rain, it had gone rock hard, and so I couldn't screed it. So then I had to break it up with a rake again, so a few more hours on the rake, getting it all flat. Then I screeded it, and finally, about a month ago, it was perfect. Like, you should have seen it. It was good dirt. <laughs> it was so smooth, and I thought, this is just ready for that lawn to be laid down after two, three years of planning, preparation, about 10 blisters, it's there. Anyway, Friday comes along because I, I did that on Wednesday. Friday comes along and uh, Holly had ordered uh, Cole's delivery to be delivered to a house, like shopping. And um, anyway... When I was lying in bed, it came at 6 o'clock in the morning. I thought, gee, that truck sounds very close. <laughs> Almost like it's parked right on the perfect lawn preparation area. That would be crazy. That would never happen. But I looked out the window and it did happen. <sighs> so I kind of thought, okay, well... This isn't really that good. This is pretty bad. I'm just, I can't believe this. I get out of bed and I'm like, Holly, it's on the... And she's like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm like, oh, far out. Another couple of hours of screeding. Anyway, all right, it'll be okay. So I make myself a cuppa, start eating my breakfast and think, I'll have a look at the damage when the truck leaves. Anyway, I heard the truck start up. I didn't go. Because it was bogged. <laughs> Down to the axles. In my beautiful flat lawn. I thought that's fine, you know, it won't it won't take that long to dig it out by hand. Anyway, two hours later, huge trenches that I could hide in all the through that area. The uh, recovery vehicle had come and driven all over my edgings, which I'd just installed the week before, and crushed them to oblivion. And it was about then that I started to freak out. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but when you try to do something that you really want to happen, and it seems like everything gets in the way, and I got what I like to call historical. And I was praying, but not really. 
I can't believe this. This always happens and this happened and that happened. And every time I try to do something, nothing ever works. And I went through that, you know, just kind of in an explosion. I was so cross. And I walked out there and the bus, the truck driver, she, she'd only had the job for like a few weeks. And she was so upset. She was so sad. I looked her in the eyes. I was trying to keep it together. She could tell. (laughs) And she just said, I am so, so sorry. She's like, I'm after this, I'm going and I'm going to quit. I just, she's like, I can't believe what I've done to your beautiful dirt. She's like, what, what can I do to make it up? It, anything. She's like, when I knock off, I'll come back here. I'll help you get it flat again. Like anything, you name it, anything, I'll do it. And in that moment, it shook me out of my stupid selfishness. And I started to think like someone else. I started to think maybe even a little bit like Jesus. Because I said, you know what? Don't even worry about it. You know how Jesus came and he took the stuff, that the mess that we made and he, I started to think a little bit like that, just a little bit. And I said, you know what, if you want to make it up for me, if you really want to make it up to me, what I'd really love was if you came to the Christmas festival. Because, um, Every year we put this cool thing on and we just want to be a blessing to our community as a church. And you know what? I reckon you'd just really like it. So don't even worry about the dirt. Just come to the Christmas festival. And she said, you know what? I will. Why am I telling you this story? I'm telling this story because I think we often look for opportunities to be like Jesus when everything's going right. But I think the best opportunity to be like Jesus is when everything's going wrong. And I just want to encourage you guys, there's one week before festival. And maybe there'll be opportunities like this where not exactly how you plan, not exactly what you hope this amazing invitation is going to be that you've been praying, maybe even all year for God to show you who to invite. Maybe it won't be who you expect. Maybe it won't be the person that's easy to love. Maybe it'll be a little challenging. And I think that's, It just seems like it's the way God does things because He wants us to be a little more like Christ. I want to finish with this verse. Romans 5, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith in His grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. You see, just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more will we be saved from God's wrath through Him? For if we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son. How much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also boast through, uh, boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the ministry of reconciliation. Of Jesus Christ. Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We've been reconciled to Him through Christ. Someone who we couldn't even look at. Oh, holy night. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus. Father, I pray this Christmas season that you would help us to understand and get a picture in our minds about how amazingly massive, just indescribable you are, how much we need you, but what you've done to bring us close. We thank you for that, Father. We also pray, Father, for the work of love in our lives. Father, challenge us. Help us to see the opportunities that you have placed before us. Help us to see that when everything's going wrong, that that's quite often an opportunity to do something right, to do something love, to be a little more like you. So Father, we pray for that. We pray for this lady that I invited to Christmas Festival. We pray for all those that this congregation has been praying for. Father, do a work in their hearts, do a work in their spirits. Open their eyes that they might see you. Father, our verse of this year is, is that Christ has come to set the captives free, to restore sight to the blind and heal the sick, and to proclaim that this is the year of the, the Lord's favour. And so, Father, we pray that you would do this through, that, through this Christmas festival, that you would see chains fall off people's lives, people that have been bound by drugs, addictions, shame, guilt, pain, you would do a healing work in people's lives, Father. You would put people's broken lives back together through the power of Jesus Christ. And you would open people's eyes up to see Jesus Christ, the true Saviour of the world, our hope. In Jesus' name.
Wasn't that a great service? There was so much good stuff in there. And if something really resonated with you and you, you want to ask some questions, then head to our website, life.house, and go to the My Response section. You can click on the little button there and then share, us, share that with us. Um, we really love that you're online because it's great that we've got this resource, but we really want to see you at church, 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings, because we just want to see you in person, get to know you, and doing things as a family is great. And one thing families, one thing families do is do things together. So let's do life together. Okay, so see you then. Merry Christmas. <laughs>